0: Welcome to episode 374 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan. I am one of the co-founders here at ETR, and we are entering a hashtag Team Smell the Roses kind of off-season slash summer. Yes, that's right. I am turning 40, 40 years old in September, and if I wasn't going through a full-blown midlife crisis, aka MLC, for the last five to seven years... Well, buddy, let me tell you, I am definitely in one right now. I I think it's just the reality, right? Like if the range of good years in terms of health likely ends on average around 70, I mean, that means I've already been on this earth for more good years than I'll have going forward. And if I only have 30 good years left, really in a best case scenario, well, then shit, man. I mean... I can't really afford to say no to anything. I just don't have enough time left. And yeah, it's important to me to be, you know, financially secure for the rest of my life and everything. But I've always had the attitude that I'm trying to die with zero, like actively trying to die with zero dollars to my name. And when you're 70, you're not really doing any like cool or expensive things. Definitely not when you're 80 or 90, if you make it that far. So the time to spend and spend money is when you can actually enjoy it, A.K. now. So, you know, what does a full-blown MLC mean? I mean, to me, it's just like desperately, desperately trying to have uniquely cool experiences every day or, or every week as, as much as I possibly can, you know, going to try to do beer stat, you know, hike the 14-foot peak in July, uh, hopefully with Leonian draft sheet. Um, you know, I had a tight schedule a few weeks ago, but my buddy was having his 40th birthday party in Key West. I, I had to change. There was no direct flights from Denver to Key West. I had to change planes. But I did it and I was happy I did it. You know, I flew to Key West. I was traveling for like 24 hours. I was in Key West for 24 hours, but it was worth it. You know, I'm contemplating playing this uh, or actually I'm going to pretty sure I'm going to play this 25K buy-in high roller uh, poker tournament at the World Series of Poker uh, in a couple weeks, even though I know that I'm a dog, a, a probably pretty big dog. You know, I, I did the vasectomy, even though I didn't want to, because I, 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 I mean, if I'm going to have life experience, I got to get back on the hashtag team you know, the way the good Lord intended. By the way, the, the vasectomy thing is so absurd. These guys from MGM, like they sent me an email and they were like, hey, do you want to do, uh, you know, our MGM podcast in a couple weeks or whatever? I said, sure. So I did it and, and they tweeted out some clips from the podcast and the caption on the tweet of the clip, they refer to me, not like Establish or Runs, Adam Levitan or, or whatever, you know, Adam Levitan, fantasy football, nothing like that they refer to me as the caption on the tweet, noted vasectomy advocate at Adam Levitan. I mean, so ridiculous. Um, but anyways, yeah, other MLC M- 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 stuff, Like, I, I really do want to go to space. Like I know Elon and, and Branson and Bezos and whoever else are working on getting regular bros up there safely, you know. Um, if they aren't doing that already, they might be doing that already. I, I want to do that too. So anyways, all of that is just a long way of saying that I've been doing my best to enjoy This offseason, I'm still, of course, grinding golf and USFL and the draft kit and the pods, et cetera. Uh, I really do love to grind, but I'm I'm also trying to unplug a little and and do some things where if I die at 40, well, at least I had the the experience that I wanted to. Um, Really just wanted to do this solo pod today, catch up with you guys, answer some questions. We'll get to the listener questions in a second here. Before I do that, I have to remind everyone that we have begun betting season-long Props that is part of our draft kit pro this year. Again, pro is $49.99, does come with a $10 coupon for underdog, even if you already have an underdog account. So it's really just $39.99. But draft kit pro covers season long drafts, best ball, dynasty, the season long props. Check that out on the subscribe page. And honestly, on the season long props, like with books getting faster and faster, moving lines, it's really important to have money on multiple books. Not only do you shop for the best line, but also you have opportunities. To go on books where lines don't move as fast, go to sabish the run.com slash offers to see the best bonus offers by state again dot com slash offers. We'll be betting props this summer on probably DraftKings, FanDuel, Caesars, Fox, Points Bet, and, and maybe some others. All right. Enough is enough. Let's get to everyone's favorite portion of the program. The listener questions. Bruce and Luke, hit the theme music. All right, appreciate all the questions. Got a ton of good ones. Going to do eight or so here today. And then uh, the other ones that I thought were good, another eight or nine, we'll try to do next week. Question one comes from Lou. He says, what is your take on long Twitter threads? Yeah, man, so so this is a good question. Um, you know, sounds like a really simple question. What's your take on long Twitter threads? But it's actually, I, I think, pretty nuanced. So I- I'm glad Lou asked this question my take on Twitter threads is simple. It's the same take I had on NFTs, you know, six months or a year ago or whatever. People are trying to make money by doing threads on Twitter, period. They're trying to make money, period. And I have absolutely, absolutely zero problem whatsoever with anyone out there trying to make money. In fact, I fucking love it. I I love seeing people trying to figure things out, grinding you know, trying, grinding their dick off to win. I know what some of you are thinking, right? Like, Adam, how does doing a Twitter thread make people money? Well, that, that's an easy answer, you know? For some reason, and I don't know exactly why, I don't know that anyone does really, but for some reason, the Twitter algorithm that decides what tweets get served to people, you know, what tweets get shown to the most people, even if you're not following them or whatever, right now the Twitter algorithm is promoting threads massively, outrageously. I mean, you see people with like 10,000 followers rack up thousands of likes and retweets on threads. They're picking up thousands of followers and it's not because it's a great thread. It's not because it's valuable. In fact, most of the threads I see contain, frankly, bad advice and are valueless, but it's simply because Twitter is pushing threads right now. It doesn't mean they will forever, but right now, like you can't go on Twitter without them shoving threads down your throat. So how do you make money off that? Well, Well, look, you know, I've been saying for the last, Five or ten years that the media landscape has changed. if you have a thousand people who will live and die with you who are incredibly interested in what you have to say, that's enough that's enough people to make money in various different ways. So by doing threads, you're reaching more people, you're reaching more potential customers, you know whether they're customers or something that you're selling yourself or something that you're promoting some type of advertisement like another company, you know you're just reaching more of those potential customers. And again, I want to be very clear. I do not in any way begrudge anyone whatsoever doing this. It's just how you win right now. If you define winning as reaching the most people out there in social media. And look, like a lot of this stuff, like, you know, people on Twitter, uh, whatever, like that are dunking on some of this stuff. It's like, do you want to be cool or do you want to win? You know, like, do you want to be famous or do you want to win? I, I think for me personally, I've always prioritized being myself over everything else, you know, not doing things just because it games the algo, you know, not doing things because they're popular or or doing things because Twitter promotes them. I I do things because I think they help or entertain people. And like, that's worked for me. But honestly, these days, if I was starting from scratch, I'm not even sure that that would work. Like the landscape has changed so much. I mean, I'm just a fucking total boomtown dinosaur like the way I like to do Twitter which is basically share information that I think is funny and or has value in the niche that I'm in I mean that's not it anymore like the way I do it Twitter would never ever ever promote my tweets because my tweets link to other stuff they link to the athletic or ESPN or ETR or the podcast or whatever you know Twitter doesn't want people clicking off Twitter so they would never serve up my tweets to anyone like a thread could be an article, right? But Twitter's not going to serve up a link to an article, which would be better than the thread if someone had something really good to say. But Twitter's not going to serve that up. They don't want you clicking off Twitter, which I totally get. So, I, you know, my point is that if I had, you know, 20K to my name, I, my all I had, $20,000 to my name, and I wanted to be in the content business, you better fucking believe that I'd be doing threads. I would do whatever the fuck it takes to win. You know, I think regular listeners know, like when I play something, whether it's sports or gambling or business, whatever, like I am going all out to win. You know, I'd rather eat Bigfoot's dick than let a tennis ball bounce twice in front of me in a match. You know, I'd rather watch my parents fuck than give up EV in DFS because someone else dug harder for information than me. So, yeah, me personally, I I never read threads like ever. I actually have the word thread muted on Twitter. And I did, the, you know, the joke a couple of weeks ago, making fun of threads, and I gave the Rick Roll with the big dick dude as the second tweet. You know, I, I was just, you know, making fun of the thread boys, and that brings me to a couple other points. Smart people are going to clown on the thread boys. Like smart people can see through it, can see through the gaming of the algo and understand what's going on. So if you want to be a thread boy, I, I think I, I, I legit think that's great, but you have to have a good sense of humor about it, like. You know, I feel like I'm in the minority these days, but it's so hard to offend me. You know, I love when people make fun of me. I think I'm pretty self-aware about all my numerous shortcomings and problems. You know, I hate myself. And I think that's really important for anyone in the, in the public sphere or anyone who wants to be. You know, if you do stuff that people can or should dunk on you for, you got to be up for that. You know, you're going to make money, but you're also going to get dunked on. I, I I mean, it just is what it is. I mean, man's you guys know Peter Overzet, one of the best friends of the show, just did like a whole 10-minute YouTube video dunking on the engagement farmers. The last thing that I'd say, or, or one of the last thing I'd say on this is, is that there is a quality of follower or quality of interaction factor, right? Like having a million followers means absolutely zero if those followers don't trust you, don't think you're authentic, would never buy anything you suggested. You know, I'd rather have a hundred people who really love me and trust me, um, versus a million people who are just empty suits. And I think when you go for the algo gaming approach, you pick up a huge percentage of just like mouth breathing, low IQ, empty suits who are gonna argue that Ezekiel Elliott is better than Tony Pollard because Zeke had more touchdowns last season. You know? I I i i like having followers and listeners and i think the overall majority of my followers listen you can tell by like the replies to my tweets and stuff you know i think the overall majority of the people um are really good smart people who follow me again i am not saying anything bad about gaming the social media algos like it's smart you know Fuck it i mean we're trying to do it at at etr we do the the ass clown youtube thumbnails of course like You have to, if you don't do that, no one sees a video and it's a waste of time, you know, like we'll do threads. Uh, Again, we're trying to win, you know, I mean, I think, or I know we have the best projections and rankings and context around those projections and rankings. So like I want as many people to be exposed to it because yes, we're trying to make fucking money. You know, I, (coughs) I would never like beat around the bush about we're trying to make fucking money. Anyways, I know this was a really, really long answer and a bit inside baseball. Frankly, I don't know how many people give a shit about social media or content or the content creation game. I I suspect like not that many people listening even give a shit about all this stuff. But it's just more complicated than the arguments that I've seen floating around on Twitter. So I wanted to give a thorough take. All right. Question two from SportsMe says, what's the deal with the shirt you left at CSU Ram 88's house? Inquiring minds want to know. Yeah, so I'm sure some of you saw Ashley Jennings' tweet from a couple weeks ago. Let me uh, read it here in case you missed it. This is Ashley Jennings, of course, famously on the pod earlier this offseason where she just tomahawk dunked on me for 40 minutes straight. She tweeted, um, hey, Adam Levitan, you left your size extra small shirt at our house. Let me know if you want it back. Otherwise, I'll pass it down to Gracie. Uh, Gracie, of course, is their their one-year-old, very funny. Um, to answer SportsMe's question, though, so I went over to, to Peter's place, um, you know, middle of the day, just play some ping pong, you know, a few beers, a few laughs, whatever. Of course, he harasses me into playing golf. Now, I was prepared for this, you know. I was actually wearing a collared shirt, a polo, and like a nice pair uh, of shorts, but no, no, no. That was not good enough. That is not good enough for these fucking golf freaks. In order to even think, in order to even think about playing the hollow game of hitting a ball with a fucking stick into a hole, I must, I must be wearing a very, very nice collared shirt. And and God forbid, if it's not tucked in with the belt exposed, God forbid, forget it. You're out. You're out of the course. Get off the course. You know, I, I didn't have a belt. So I had to borrow one of those too. So yeah, I, I had to... Fucking changed my shirt before we went to the to the golf course. Had to borrow a belt. I mean, who in the fuck decided about these rules about clothing for a sport? You know, sport. You know, collared shirt must be tucked in with a belt. It's so ridiculous. But I, I will say that you know, once we're out there on the course, you know, I'm smoking, I'm drinking, I'm busting balls, I'm hitting, I'm hitting balls in the lake. We're gambling. I mean, it is fun. I, I do think that we only played nine holes, and that's like perfect for me. Like maybe I could get talked into 12, but like nine was perfect for me. I mean, let's be real. If you're playing 18 holes regularly, which is like a five-hour commitment in my experience, if you're playing 18 holes regularly, I mean, get a fucking job, bro. I mean, that goes for Peter as well. I mean, five hours, collared shirt. It's just a bridge too far for me to cross regularly right now. Question three from Alessandro. He says, for those virgins living in Ontario, Canada, how are we supposed to get our fantasy football fixed? No DFS, no baseball. What the fuck do we do? Oh, man. I'm not too well versed in what's going on with the regulations and laws in Canada, but I did read about this a little. Um, it sucks, man. I, I guess like the cost of having, or the price, or the trade off of having legalized sports betting in Ontario. Is that DFS and Best Ball are now banned? I guess that's what's going on. Don't quote me on that. I really haven't looked at it a lot uh, much at all. Um, if I was you, Alessandro, I'd probably just switch to grinding props full time. But, you know, it's not as fun. Um, I know he Alessandro's mostly joking about moving, but I actually don't think that it's crazy to move. Like, I don't think I'd move just for DFS and best ball, but generally speaking, you know, I think moving is, is really good or it's been really good for me. Like I lived on the East coast for the first 38 years of my life. I lived in Philadelphia for 17 years. We basically just picked up and left for the Denver area a year ago, like hardly knew anyone had only been to Denver a fistful of times. And honestly, it's been like one of the best decisions that we ever made. And like, I know that it's hard, like not because of the place you're leaving, because of the people and that's undoubtedly hard like all our family all our friends all our neighbors I mean it was legit sad uh to leave all that you know H- harder than I thought it would be but I, you know I think the thing that we've realized and that everyone eventually is that like all that stuff is still there eh, on the east coast like it's not going away and honestly like it's better we, we went back to the east coast uh last month for like six days it was so good to see my family uh we went to Philly and I went out to like 2.30 in the morning with a bunch of friends one night, like uh, met up with a bunch of different people that we hadn't seen in a long time. And and it was great. Like everyone was actually legit excited to see us. You know, there's a 0% chance anytime in the last decade I or anyone else in Philly would like meet up and hang until 2.30 in the morning, you know, just busting balls. But we did it when I was there because oh, I was like, Adam's in town. First time in a year, you know, let's go out and actually have fun, you know, so yeah, it was just better, you know. Um, so, yeah, generally, you know, I think Denver is a better place for for my happiness, for the kids. It's just right. And I don't think that living in the same place or area for my whole life would have made me feel like I had a full life. So I guess I'm just trying to say that I, the fear of leaving people in Philly didn't stop us. And, and I'm glad about that. Question four from Wolf says, I'm a dumb sports better from my toilet. Would betting a unit on each of the top six or seven teams to win the Super Bowl be a bad idea? Seems like a free roll is to get good odds at a plus thousand team. I could always hedge later in the season. If a dark horse arises, what am I missing? And Wolf attached a screenshot of the favorites to win the Super Bowl, you know, like uh, Bills plus 675, Bucks 8 to 1, Chiefs 10 to 1, et cetera. I-, I get what Wolf is saying here. You know, let's say you bet $100 on the top six teams. They're all six to one or worse. You're guaranteed to print, right? But I think what Wolf is missing is that, you know, I'm not sure you guys have heard, but the NFL can be very unpredictable. So if we bet 100 on the top six teams, we've invested 600 into the top six, but you're not accounting for all the times that one of the other 26 teams wins the Super Bowl. And that's a really high percent of the time. And when that happens, yeah, you can try to hedge. But by the time you realize that X long shot is a Super Bowl contender, you know, the good lines on that team are likely already gone. You'll also run into spots where, like, a long shot might start 4-0. and You bet them because you have to cover your position. And then they finish 8-9. and And some other long shot you didn't have at the beginning, they start 1-3, and and they finish 12-5. and So what you're going to do is end out getting, like, all these teams at the worst price, that they'll be all season. Now, if you want to tell me that uh, Wolf is line shopping so hard that he's removing all juice from the Super Bowl futures market, and he's building a portfolio of every viable contender at like the best line at different times based on some simulations. Yeah, I, I can dig that but that's a story for another day. Question 5 from Emil, he says three donkeys, is it happening? Oh, yes Emil. It's happening, buddy. Um hopefully you guys saw my tweet on Monday with the new logo. I'm excited about it. You know, basically um for those guys who don't weren't there for the first iteration of three donkeys, it was just Me, Bales, and Peter turn on the mics and, you know, very little preparation, very unprofessional show. We actually got reprimanded by some bosses at Action Network for talking about masturbation too much, which was a conversation that I never expected to have. But anyways, um, you know, we just talk about gambling or or gambling adjacent topics, uh, play some gambling games, whatever. The last time we did it was four to five years ago. Hopefully we'll be a bit more organized this time. Just as much masturbation segments. But if you guys have ideas for segments that, that we should do, uh, feel free to hit me up with them. So, you know, we'll talk investing, prop bets, you know, life, philosophy, sports, DFS, what, what's going on? Whatever's going on. So hopefully uh, look for that in the next two to three weeks or so. Question six from Taylor says, hey, Adam, solo pod question. I lost about 4000 in the first six weeks of DFS playing mostly cash last year. Ended up calling it quits and took my L for the year. Should I have stuck with it? Any tips for 2022? Um, well, uh, I need more information here, I'd say. The first thing I'd say is that first six weeks, in theory, should be the softest. But if you were playing, I need more information because if you were playing, let's say, 2,000 a week and you lost 4,000 over six weeks, well, you know, that's nothing. Now, if you're only playing 800 a week and you lost 4,000 in six weeks, you know, um, that's not a good sign. I would be very honest with yourself about game selection. If you go to the evergreen part of the menu on ETR, you'll find my articles on game selection. If you follow the advice in there, i.e. you played low stakes heads up and you posted uh, for those low stakes heads up. If you only played large field single entry double ups, if you had the right people blocked in your head-to-head blocking preferences and you still lost you know, 80, 90%, then yeah, maybe cash isn't for you. And that's okay. Like, I'd say cash isn't for a lot of people. But just know, uh, Taylor, that if you go to all tournaments, the swings are going to be way, way, way worse. Way worse. Like, you could be playing well and still lose for six weeks straight or 10 weeks, even a full season. I mean, that's what happens to the tournament bros playing large field only, playing extreme top heavy only, high rake only stuff. I mean, you're going to have long down streaks even when you're playing well. But I, honestly, I think what Taylor's asking is more: are the cash teams that he made good or not? I think is what he's asking, and there's really no way for me to know that without looking at them. What you could do is compare what you played to what uh, I played, and you can find my team every week when I write the cash lineup review on Sunday nights. And you know, not to insinuate that I'm the best or or I'm what you the benchmark you should be comparing to. You know, far from it. But I would say that if you have Seven different guys than me in your cash team, or even like five to six on certain weeks, I'd probably say you're just not playing well. Question seven from JM says, I might be playing the World Series of Poker main for the first time, thinking of playing 1D on Wednesday, having an off day, and then potentially playing Friday, Saturday, et cetera. What's the GTO approach to Vegas solo for four to five days as a washed up 38 year old not trying to get on the team? Out there. Yeah, I've been in that spot plenty of times, man. And, and you know, I'm a sick fuck, so I, I actually love it. I, I love being in Vegas by myself, no responsibility, just like me grinding and relaxing in very hot weather. Like, I really do love it. Um, I think my GTO play, if you can swing it, would be to get an Airbnb. There's so many nice Airbnbs out there. Rent a car, you know, feel like a human, feel like a local. Take the car to Red Rock Canyon and do a hike. It's only about, you know, 30 minutes away and it's legit awesome there. Um, Wake up every day and do something active, you know, go swim in the pool or or, or go to the gym. Make sure you eat before you play. So, yeah, I I think no brainer to play day 1D of the main, you know, that's when all the casuals play because they're trying to minimize their time away from work slash family. I think 1D is the best day to play because it also minimizes your time away and you get the softest wave, I think um i don't really think it's a great idea to play poker on the off day between day one and day two you don't want to risk getting yourself like steamed up i would definitely do the hike then i would go to the pool i'd add that i think staying in a hotel is fine but do not i I would not recommend staying in a hotel where the where the actual world series is i can't fucking take these virgins everywhere i go like i'm one time i made the mistake of staying at the rio for the main event. And you just can't escape it. You know, in the elevator, there's dudes telling hand histories. At the restaurant, there's dudes bitching about bad beats. I'm waiting for a cab and there's dudes talking about how bad ex dude played a hand. You know, it smells like weed and cigs everywhere. Um, this is the first year that the World Series is going to be at Bally's. So you're on the strip at Bally's. I, you know, I, I think Bellagio, Aria, Vidara um, as, places, as places to stay um, if you're going to go to the hotel route. That's awesome. You're playing the main event for the first time, man. I mean, you know, I feel like poker is having like a bit of a comeback, a bit of a moment. Maybe it's just just in my gut, man. It feels like more people are talking about it. YouTube poker stuff is absolutely crushing. I think the main is going to have a huge, huge field this year. Um, And honestly, like if anyone out there likes poker and you can afford it, playing the main is an awesome, awesome experience. Like I'm the most cynical depressed person on earth but even i think that the world series of poker main event is an awesome event i'm pretty tilted i can't play it this year i couldn't make the dates work but i'll always play when i can and and uh yeah it's great so enjoy it jam awesome experience um also after you bust don't forget about the hookers and the and the cocaine of course all right question eight last question we're going to do today comes from dane says Dear Adam, I'm getting married this Sunday. Do you have any tips from the PSM or personal experience on how to handle masturbation leading up to wedding night? He's shooting, he says, I'm shooting for max pleasure for us both, load size, optimal time to orgasm, et cetera, et cetera. Thank you. Well, yeah, uh, Dane, I got to say that I'm so honored that when it comes to coaching you through the consummation of your marriage, that you thought of me. Um, The course is. The training videos, the solver based answers we offer here at Gender Labs LLC, aka Gender Consultants, work every time, 69% of the time. And so I'm not really able to give you the data that we have because that's behind the paywall. You know, our Gold Star members, of course, have access to our PoE data, you know, pump over expectation, our launch angle data, thrust after contact per attempt, you know, everything you need. But I I mean, one thing I'd say about wedding night, I, I think a lot of people get, You know so drunk they're so exhausted from all the wedding prep they're so relieved that it's over and and went off without a hitch that um consummation in their mind becomes secondary And, and that's a shame you know we all know that's insane so all i can say dane is is get your rest buddy you'll be good congrats from everyone here at the gender labs family another satisfied client all right we can do it for this edition of the solo pod. Be back soon. I think I don't wanna have so much time between solo pods next time. Be back very soon with another solo pod. Four, producer Luke, four. Jerry, I am Adam. Good luck, everybody.